Kia ora. Welcome to this edition of the Morrisville Baptist Church Podcast. Thank you for connecting with us to discover more about our faith community. Feel free to visit our website at morrislebaptist.com. I hope this message is an encouragement to you. Isn't it great to come before the Lord and just celebrate who He is together? Such a, a great privilege that we can, uh, we can do that. He's the same God who we spoke about last week. Thank you. And so we're going to be exploring him again. As I, I spoke last, last year, one of the things we talked about as elders is that we want to, we finished the Gospel of Matthew, we want to push deeper in understanding uh, God more intimately. And so uh, we're, we're keen to do that. And so we're just setting the scene for that last week and this week and just help us think about that. How do we go deeper with God? And uh, where's it going? Is it going or not? Are you doing that thing first? Okay, there we go. Some of you, thank you. You um, may remember this slide I put up last week, and that comes one of the heart problems that humanity has, is that we know that we've been made in God's image, yet we've got that propensity. Am I in trouble? I didn't do it, Manny. Thanks, Manny. We have that propensity that now God has made us in his image that we kind of return that favor to God and we start to think, well, what I like, God will like. And we've all got that propensity as we, as, as we talked about that last, last week. So if I like sport, God likes sport. If I like food, my God likes food or whatever it might be. My God likes holidays. And so if I like holidays, my God likes that. And... Um, it's led us into all kinds of problems throughout, throughout history. And um, uh, one of those challenges is that the, the more we get to know God, the more we come to see that these ideas we come up with are false. And so we want to explore that so that we can know God and who he is and what he's like. And so I discussed um, last week that uh, there's some antidotes to that. That goes, that goes. And one is learning scripture, the word of God. It helps us to orientate us towards God. If it's going. Um, and seek, seeking God, just spirit-led prayer. But to do things in a humble way that we would humbly seek God to learn about him for leaders to lead well and to love people through through that just as the um, those who've gone before us did that and, and did that well and we have some of the Hebrews of faith who showed that and so we've talked about that and so part of us of valuing scripture is that we want to do that the deep more deeper we know God the more likely we're going to follow him right. Because you can't follow a stranger, can you? You're going to follow someone. You need to know who you're following and what they're like. 
And so that's um, what we'll look at. So we, we talked about last week, there's going to be several ways that we're going to do that. Uh, we're going to go in, in, into what we call the Old Testament to look at uh, some prophets there, so that we may know God more deeply. Also understand his reputation. We often think about our own reputations, less so about God's. And so these, these prophets and people God sent, and apostles like John, came to say, this is what's important to God. If you value God and his reputation, this is how God wants you to live. And so we, we've touched on that. And so one of the things we're called is to be a disciple. And so as we did last week, I just want to just hear some people, um, what, what's their idea of what a disciple is? And so we'll just start here, just call out one or two words, what's a disciple? And as we talked about what God is like, what the gospel is, we'll do the same thing. Um, and we'll come back and look at these later in the year. So, what is a disciple? Anyone, just pick your hand up and I'll repeat what you say so that the, uh, those online can hear and uh, those in, in the auditorium can hear. So anyone over here, what is a disciple in one or two words? Hand at the back. A, a leader, following the leader. Someone in the middle, what's a disciple? Any ideas, Irene? Sharing the love of Jesus. Someone over here. What's a disciple? You want to venture a guess? Or an idea? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Student. Okay, thank you. Over there. I didn't see you. <laughs> um, anyone over here? Student? Anyone look better on that? No, everyone's quiet over this side. Well, let's go back to here. A couple more. A disciple? Anything else you can think of? Coming alongside, help people. In the middle, any more offers? Believer. A believer? Teacher. teacher, we're getting a few, a teacher now, we're getting a few here, more bold. Are you feeling a bit bolder here now on, on this side? Any hands? A hand over here? Christ a Christ follower. How are we doing? Last go, one person over here. God's representative, thank you. In the middle. Disciple. Did you put your hand up, Howard? Okay. <laughs> Discipline. Sorry, Susan. Okay, cool. And last one over here. Any other ideas you want to add to that? Hand over here, Sam. Mirror, mirroring of an ideal. Okay. Thank you. So we're just going to hang on to some of these and we'll, we'll come back to those. And so if you have any other thoughts, uh, I can add those to the list if you just come and let me know um, during the week what you might think on that. And so as we uh, thank you, Alana, for just doing that. Just wait for them to get back to the um, PowerPoint. Here we go. Thank you. And so part of this, this journey we're, we're going to be going on this year. Is that going? Is, is recognizing that God's from everlasting, God hasn't changed. He's still the same God that we read about in the beginning as at the end. But we now know, or we, no, no, we, we, we know that God changes the way we approach him. It obviously comes with Jesus. How do we approach him? 
And, and so we have confidence God hasn't changed, but we need to understand, well, how do we approach him? Are there differences in that? But at the heart of it, he hasn't changed. And so some of you may think, oh, do we really need to go to the Old Testament? Do we need that now? Can we just look in some of the passages that might be um, and, uh, around Jesus that we could focus on and just skip those parts? Well, to try and, and help us see the value of the whole Bible, just a reminder, is that the word... Um, is that right? Have I gone wrong? Sorry. Um, the word that we call Old Testament, do you know the Old Testament word is not, or phrase is not in the Bible? It was kind of added by people. What well, it's referred to historically as the Hebrew Bible, or in Hebrew, Tanakh. That just simply means instructions. And so when you think about instructions, does that kind of make sense? These are God's instructions. And so we learn about that. And so with we, we're told in the Old Testament or the Hebrew Bible, what are the, what are the heart of God's instructions? Two simple ones. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. In Deuteronomy. In Leviticus. I'm sure you've all been reading Leviticus this week. Yeah. Love your neighbor as yourself comes from Leviticus. And they summarize 613 instructions that we receive in there. And I said the, wor the word law kind of sounds legal. It sounds a bit onerous, doesn't it? But when you think about these are instructions for life, doesn't that make more sense? When you think about some of these commands that God has given us. And so it's helpful sometimes to think about this. This is the Hebrew Bible. This is God's instructions. And that's why it's helpful for us to consider. When we go to the New Testament, what does Jesus have to say about the essence of of his laws. Have you noticed something similar? It's no different. But Jesus coming here, he came to explain these instructions more deeply, but also in person, who perfectly followed those instructions. That's why he came. And then to bring clarity to his followers, this is what it's like to follow God's commands. So you can see of a visual example. And at the heart of this, Jesus explains the very same instructions, summarizes them. No difference runs through the whole Bible. On that? Okay. All right. And so when we think about um, God's instructions, is that we want to just reframe how we, how we uh, uh, think about the whole Bible. And so when Jesus spoke of the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament as we call it, he says, I'm in there. In Luke, he says, if you read the Hebrew Bible, you're going to learn about who? about him and so it's useful to do that 
And Paul says as well in, in, in 2 Timothy that if you read, these are God's breathed words. These are the words of God. And they're useful for teaching and rebuking, training, a servant in God's ways and equipping them. And when Paul speaks of this, he's referring to the Tanakh, the Old Testament, because the New Testament hasn't been written. It's in the course of being, being written. And so Paul is valuing the whole Bible. If you want to get to know God, you need to look here as well. And so reading from the Hebrew Bible is going to be profitable for us. And so as you talk through it this year, it's going to help us. It's going to equip us to grow in our faith. And so that's the things we're, we're considering. And so when G Jesus comes, he says, I'm fulfilling the law. He also brings clarity. You see on there, Paul say that an, a, a, a fulfillment of love is to carry one another's burdens. So when you think about love, what's Paul saying? Think about someone else. Support others. But at the heart of this, there is no difference in that. And so we can learn from the entire Bible about what God is like. If we want to go deeper, if we want to follow him with everything, and so don't have this attitude or, 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 or belief that, hey, we only need parts of the Bible. Jesus is saying it. The apostles are saying, if you want to know Jesus, don't leave things out if you want to grow. And so he's encouraging us uh, to do that. And so the other thing on here is that Paul will speak too, that if we know how to use the law of God's instructions properly, they're actually good, not a negative thing. And Paul says the ultimate purpose of these instructions is to lead us to who? To Christ. And so that gives us encouragement. Here is that we're going to learn from reading all of the Bible. We're all familiar with human rights, Bill of Rights. Does anyone know what the oldest Bill of Rights is that we have recorded? Okay. That's okay. Right. Moses recorded these. And the first rights that were recorded were given to ascribe to who? First three commandments, only one God who has no rivals. Do you think God has rights, divine rights? We always think about our own rights, don't we? Have you ever considered God may have rights? That he is, has a right to be treated as the one true God? Have you thought about that? So he says that. And again, as I spoke about before, don't have any idols. You can say, yes, I worship God, but I've just made him in my own image. He likes what I like. And God sees through that. And so he doesn't want that. And he, he's, he's, he 
wants his, his reputation, his name, protected. And so the first rights the Bible is talking about is God's rights. Will you protect and honor him? And then he talks about human rights, doesn't he? Protection of families. Parents have rights to be respected. Life is to be valued. Purity, fidelity in marriage. In essence, no other God is the same idea. Having an allegiance. To respect one's property. Respect the reputation of others. If you look up the commandments. And avoid desiring what doesn't belong to you. James will say that sin starts with coveting in our hearts until it gives birth. And so this is God's idea of what it means to have the rights of people protected. And in one sense, this is God's love letter to us. This is protecting God. This is protecting others. And the word to love God, ahav in Hebrew, at the heart of it is to put the interests of someone else before yourself. Now we sometimes do that when our interests are aligned with someone else. But God is saying, if you love, you put my reputation first and the reputation of others. If you want to understand God's idea of love. One commandment I haven't mentioned in here that Jesus doesn't mention in the New Testament, but it's still important, a command to rest. And that will look different for the people of Israel and for us as his followers. And that we are all called to rest so we can have time for God time for others and so remember God has rights and we're called to love him and think about what's important to him we're called to love others loving your neighbor here is a practical example of what loving your neighbor looks like we kind of think about the summary love your neighbor and we fill it with our own ideas don't we well God's very concrete about what he considers love looks like and that's difficult in a world where we have a very different understanding of love and so right through history Christians and the people of Israel have struggled to fulfill these and I'm so glad that we learn from the New Testament is when we fall short, what does John say? Just agree with God, you've fallen short. You haven't followed his instructions. And what will you find? You'll find forgiveness. Isn't that beautiful? That's part of God's love for others, that he did that. And so, we need to think about, and we're going to look at over the course of year, what does love look like? And why God responds sometimes the way he does.
when we lose sight of the interests of others. So, we think, of oh, well, that's in the Hebrew Bible. We look at what Paul says. What does Paul do? In Romans chapter 13, where there's chapter 12 chapters before that, and Paul has spoke about God. He's now talking about the church. And he says, and talking to the, the people of God, the commandments, what, whatever, whatever command you may find. Here's just a few of them. He highlights, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. Well, they're no different from the commands that were given to Israel. And he says, whatever commander is, may be summed up. Love God, love your neighbor. But can you see, we tend to focus on the summary, and it's only a summary of what's already there. And so when we think about love your neighbor and love God, what do you think of? And so part of knowing God is trying to think about these and see these as positive things. God wants us to grow and to know him. To show what he's like, as we talked about last week. And it's so easy for us to fill the vacuum of love God, love your neighbor with our own ideas. Because we often make God in our own image, don't we? God is saying, this is what loving God, loving your neighbor looks like. Caring for the interests of others. It's a challenge, isn't it? Because that's not our natural disposition unless it suits our own interests. So right through the Bible, we're getting the same message. And that's why looking at the entire Bible is going to be profitable for us. And so I want you to think about these in a positive light. These are God's instructions. So about what's the purpose of God's commands? And when we start thinking that the law is a to-do list, this is just a tick box of things that we have to do. We kind of lost sight of the person who gave them, who gave these instructions. God, who affirmed them? Jesus, make sure you got clear on that. And so what God will say, what are the commandments for? Show what God is like. And Nick was touching on about this earlier, is that when we follow God's instructions, it's actually you don't need to be an evangelist like going out and standing on a preaching box. You're putting God on display Every time you obey his commands, you're showing to others what he's like. Form of evangelism, isn't it? And so we talked about imitation. That's not fake. It's the sincerest form of a compliment. Remember that from last week? Imitating. Now, we kind of, when we see the word imitation... Kind of feel about uncomfortable, don't you? No, imitation sounds a bit an inferior, doesn't it? 
in terms of our culture. And so I want to think about that and, and understand imitation the way the Bible describes imitation. Julie and I, a long time ago, saw the Mona Lisa. Wouldn't known unless other than it was in, in the Louvre that it was the genuine one. It's a bit disappointing. It's actually quite small. But apparently one of the things about the Mona Lisa is that wherever you stand is that it looks like she's looking at you. I couldn't tell because we, we were too far away to, to see that. But how would you know which is the true one and which is the fake? How would you know? Someone say, hey, I'm going to offer you the Mona Lisa. And you got the money. Which one of those two are you going to choose? How would you know? <laughs> you need an expert, don't you? Who can spot a fake? And will know what a genuine copy of the Mona Lisa, because there are genuine copies, looks like. And it's an accurate certified copy. Because we know what the Mona Lisa looks like. No one wants to be fooled, do they? Imagine you're paid for a forgery. How would you feel? A bit embarrassed? You've wasted your life? Your money? No one wants to be foolish. We want to make sure we got the, the genuine thing. If we're going to do an imitation, we want it to be off the original. And so, could you spot a, a, a Bible forgery or a fake? Three Bibles up here, one on the left, imitation lever. One that's authorized in the middle by the state, and one on the right, a bit more expensive, genuine leather. Which one? is the genuine thing. Do I buy the genuine leather one? Because it's got, on the right, because it's got genuine leather? Or do I buy the imitation one and just hope it's still value, but I'm going to spend less money on it? How would you think about that? Well, the one on the left may have imitation leather on it, but when you go to the first few pages, you quickly understand that the versions we have, the NIV, New Living Translation, uh, New King James, they have been prepared by scholars, linguists, or Greek Hebrew, by reputable institutions and organizations that have been um, authenticated. And so may say imitation leather on the front, but you can trust what you're looking at is the closest we have to the author's original words. So don't be misled by the word imitation. Makes it more accessible. How about the Chinese state version in the middle? Would you feel comfortable if someone gave you or you bought a Chinese state version? Well, it's authorized. Must be good. Aye. Well, I met a pastor a few years ago in Wellington. And he was Chinese, and he had family 
back in China who were using this authorized version. And you've all heard of the story of the woman in adultery who's brought before Jesus, wanting to be, the people wanting to stone him, the leaders wanting to stone him. Are you familiar with that story? They said, she deserves death. And so you pick up the, the, this Chinese state version, seems to be word for word as the one on the left, until Jesus says, anyone who sins, stone her first, and they all leave. And then you read this Chinese state authorized version. Do you know what the next words are? Jesus then stoned her. Why? Possibly for reasons I don't know for exactly, but reasons of controlling truth that might suit them and to be able to control. So it may look like a nice version, but is it a fake or is it an imitation like the one on the left or the original things? It's a fake. And there are other passages like that to make the Communist Party be shown in a good light. Then the one on the right, genuine leather. And that must be a good one. I'm willing to pay an extra $80 to get genuine leather and a fancy-looking Bible. Is it fake? Is it, uh, is it a genuine one? Well, when I open this fancy-looking Bible, soon discover... It says, in the beginning, man was so good, he attained God status. Would you be happy with that Bible? Can I sell you that one as a genuine leather Bible? No? Why is that? So, as, as, as an object, the one on, on the left says it's imit imitation but only in look. But the words of the original authors, just like you want the, the work of an original artist, have been changed by imposters. And so we want to make sure that if we're going to imitate, we're imitating the original. But imitating is a good thing as long as you've got the genuine article. And so that becomes what's important. Are you imitating the author or a fake? Waste of time, a fake, isn't it? So we want to think about fake in a different light, imitation in a different light. And we want to imitate the original words that we have. So the one on the left is the one you want to be able to trust in, even though it's got the word imitation on it. Does that make sense? And so we're, we're going to be exploring this because there's a real call to, um, to uh, imitate what is good. Here's one example. Here, imitate. Imitation is the admiration for a person or value you value who they are and choose to follow them. This is a good imitation, what the Bible is saying. And the word imitation is found in the Bible. We also get the word mimic. Have you heard mimic? It comes from the same root word that we find in the Bible. It means to follow as an example. And so getting to know God is the means that we can imitate him. Not as clones, 
but to, to show what he's like. And so it's a positive concept affirmed in the Bible when we think about it. And I asked earlier what a disciple is. Now, on the 14th of February, 2021, we started the Gospel of Matthew. I talked about this. What is a disciple? Heard the word student. And so as I explained it, a student in the understanding of the people was merely, not merely someone learning information that the teacher is teaching, but the desire is to become what the rabbi is with your own personality, your own character. And so a disciple is someone who imitates. And that was the original understanding of Jesus. Follow me. I will show you how to imitate me with your own personality. We, we see those. So again, this is a biblical concept. If we're going to be a disciple, we need to imitate, but make sure we're imitating the one true God. God has no rivals. And so, when you think of a disciple, we thought you were an imitator, but understanding it in a biblical understanding, this is a good thing, because it's the one we're imitating that matters. And Jesus comes to say, imitate me. So that's what we're going to be trying to do this year. Can we grow in that way, in a positive way? Because this is the heart of being a disciple. So I'm looking forward to talking about these things. The Bible says, again, imitate what is good as God defines it, not what is bad. And so we find this in, in, in the Hebrew Bible, right in the middle of the instructions when they were being given to Israel. In Deuteronomy, when you enter the land, your God is giving you, do not imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. What were they doing? Child sacrifice. They were having sex as part of a religious service with a temple prostitute. God says, that's detestable. That's not what I'm like. Doesn't do it. Don't do it. Don't imitate what's bad. What do the people do? They forget. God sends prophets to remind them. And here is one example, Israelite women getting caught up in that. And God says, don't imitate that. And you men sitting here, don't think, oh, that's the women, nothing to do with me. God has plenty to the men. You ain't much better. In fact, worse. So God says, if you care about my reputation, don't imitate what is bad. And so this idea is picked up in the New Testament. Imitate what is good. We have this same word. Paul says to the church at Thessalonica, as he's talking about building them up the church and putting God on display, and some are challenging Paul and his character. And he says, hey, we've put God on display. And he said, we did this, not because we have 
the right to such help. You should help us of what we've done for you. But in order to offer ourselves as a model for you to imitate. Here are the leaders, imitate. In Hebrews, and he's trying to encourage the people, we don't want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patient inheritance um, have... um, uh, to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what's been promised. Again, the heart of this is through faith is been imitating. Later on, the writer says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their lives. So the leaders have an important role to imitate God. Consider those whose outcomes have been honoring to God and imitate them. It doesn't mean we're perfect and we're by no means perfect. And that's why we need your prayers and encouragement that we may honor God by imitating him so that you can be encouraged by us. And that's so important. And that's how we think about our leaders is that they're going to imitate others will look to. And that's why we value leadership that leaders will imitate. And so, pray for us that we would faithfully imitate, that we can encourage you to imitate. And so, the Bible affirms imitating God, who he is, what he's like. It's an easy way to imitate, to, to evangelize, isn't it? If we do it naturally, because God's at work in our lives. We're showing what he's like. We're obeying his commands, honoring God's reputation. Greatest antidote to evangelism is show people what he's like. Let them ask us questions. So this is a concept we're going to grow in this year. As we think about um, imitating God, being disciples, well, this is what it might have looked like for those early followers of Jesus. You've got the Torah, the instructions. Obey them. God realized they were struggling to do that. God sends himself. The word became flesh, who is Jesus. What do the disciples do? They imitate Jesus. They've got the perfect example who lives out those instructions perfectly. Then those leaders go to others and say, Want to learn about God? Imitate us. Once you've done that, you've grown, imitate. Then go and show others how to imitate. Of course, Jesus ascended to heaven. Can't quite do that anymore, can you? And keep that on. But we've been given a bigger Bible and revelation of Jesus. That includes the Bible. Who have been given now to help us? The Holy Spirit. And that God, Jesus said, I won't leave his orphans. The Spirit helps us to imitate. That we may help make disciples who imitate, who continue that process. So, this is at the heart of us as a church. We value disciples as the command of God. We won't put them on display. We need to be in the business of helping people to imitate from the heart. Not because they're following a to-do list, because God has touched their hearts. And that's part of what we're here at Warrensville Baptist Church. And so 
our mission, why we exist, as I, as I, as I close. Why do we exist? To make disciples. In order to glorify God. And God's given us the privilege of imitating him. Co-workers. So we can confidently show what God is like. Worship him. Because we care about his reputation as we talked about this morning. But with the help of the Holy Spirit. God says, I'll help you to do that. And so our mission, why we're, why we're about, is making disciples. Why we exist. Have you ever thought about why we exist? And what's our vision? Where are we going with this? To see people being transformed. As we learn to obey God, His instructions. We put them on display and God works in our hearts. Causes us to show what he is like, and as we do that, we change. Isn't that amazing? God changes us. And as we do that, we start to express love. God's kind of love that cares about others. And we are a people who know God's plans for the future because eternal life is to know God, not for 40 years or 50 years or 60 years, it's into eternity. And so we are a people of hope. And I'm excited about that. And so we're going to be exploring those things. So all that we're trying to do as a leadership here, think about why we exist. Honor God and his reputation. And to imitate what he's like. To put him on display. To see lives transformed. Isn't that exciting? And it's the work that transforms us. And we want to see people transformed. It's so exciting when we see that. And so we're going to look on that journey over these, these weeks and months ahead. I just want to, to, to close in prayer. And I just want you to think about that. We've talked about quite a few things this morning. I'm so grateful of God's incredible grace that we can approach the throne of grace and find forgiveness. And so as you reflect on those instructions, have, you, have all of us been imitating Jesus? We've we been showing him to others in a, in a wrong light. You kind of feel, hey, I've, I've not been doing that opportunity to say God I'm, I'm sorry and you know that you will be forgiven is there a way that you can imitate Jesus better this week just ask him how am I imitate you more effectively this week do you think God will answer that prayer if you ask for help so just, just pray for that and one of the things I love James half brother of Jesus says the Bible is like a mirror it shows us when we're imitating God and it shows when we're actually turning God into an idol, that God likes what we like. And that's the beautiful thing about the word. It shows us that we can get reorientated again. So let's just pray for a moment, and, and then we just going to respond in worship, because we have an amazing God who has given us everything that we might show what he's like. Just pause for a moment, and I'll pray, and then we'll respond in worship. Just say that to God yourself.
Father, we are so grateful you do not change. Thank you, Father, that you don't, you don't leave us by ourselves to think, how do we follow God? You've shown us how to worship you, how to follow you, how to imitate you, to show what you're like, because you want us to know you. We thank you for the wonder of that. Thank you for the provision you have given us in your instructions. And Father, when we mess up, we thank you for your lavish grace. And Lord, we pray that if there are things, Lord, that, that we're not imitating you right, Father, would you show that to us in your word as we read it, that we might turn from that. May your spirit show that to us, that we can lay them down before you, that we will show more what you are like. Help us to do that. Father, in this week ahead, for each of us, if there is a way, and it may be different for every person, that we can honor you by thinking about the interests of others and that we may honor you in thinking about your interests too. Help us to do that, that you would be glorified because you are worthy. And we thank you, Lord, for your incredible patience and grace and the confidence we have and the gift of eternal life we have through Jesus Christ. So we praise you and thank you. And would your spirit lead us and guide us. I pray for every person here this week, we would take a step, even if it's a small step, closer to imitating what Jesus is like. And that the following week, we may take another step that you'll be glorified in that great and mighty name of our Savior, of our God, of our Lord, the one who was and is and is to come, Jesus Christ. Amen.